I've always said that there are three sides to every story. There's her side, his side, and then there's the truth. All we care about is the truth. This is Truth Seekers. I'm Lucas. And I'm Rocky. Enjoy. Twitter's inception was to allow for worldwide real-time communication. It gave people the quote-unquote power to create and share ideas and information instantly without barriers. Remember that part, without barriers. Yeah, barriers. As time went on, they were forced to add barriers, although they do not say who quote-unquote forced them to add said barriers. These barriers were to fend off things like spam. Gradually, they decided the Twitter executives started to get requests from outsiders to influence other speech. Well, they had to put up barriers to like probably illegal stuff, child pornography and stuff like that, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's one understandable. Although, you know, if you look at the education system today, they're kind of rubbing it in kids' faces, but that's another yeah. subject for another day. How quickly things have changed. Exactly. Yeah. All right. So um, by 2020, they had actors asking for tweets to be deleted, you know, got to <laughs> keep up their facade or whatever it is that they were doing. But then... Um, Executives starting writing memos to each other asking that Biden's team had had requests for more review and the response would be, quote unquote, handled. The time when he was campaigning, he was asking for special favors. The people at Twitter were obliging. Obliging, yeah. Yeah. And the fact that their response was just handled seems like they had a pretty chummy relationship that probably didn't happen overnight. Exactly. And, and, Keep in mind, though, both parties, red and blue, were asking for these requests. and But just over time, more and more of the requests came in from one particular party. Mm-hmm. And because the employees of Twitter were more left-leaning, that particular party was granted more deletions or more review or whatever you want to call it yeah they played the side that they liked the most absolutely there was a there was a complete bias from not 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 from the beginning everybody like i said it, it started where both sides were asking but then of course once people realized that trump's the the antichrist they decided to <laughs> yeah go left sure stay left i guess not go left stay left yeah so let's talk about hunter biden's infamous laptop Okay. All right. So on October 14th, 2020, uh, the New York Post published Biden's secret emails, an expose on the contents of Hunter Biden's abandoned laptop, which was found in some repair shop that Hunter Biden never collected because I'm sure he was, you know, my guess is he- Nine months it was there from what I understand. Yeah. So the guy goes and drops off his computer for repair at at some rando shop and, and doesn't take any- secret or classified documents off of his computer and just submits it for repair and this guy realizes who is whose it is because it's been there for nine months and so the guy's probably looking for the owner and realizes it's hunter biden's and and finds all this stuff for lack of a better term that probably should have been known prior to the election but twitter tries to squash the story they remove links they posted warnings that it was quote-unquote unsafe which was used to warn like you said about child pornography but Mm. for some reason they thought that this was so unsafe that they labeled it as such so kaylee mcenany tweeted about the story and twitter found it so offensive that they locked her out of her account and then a trump campaign staffer wrote a letter to twitter asking them to quote-unquote at least pretend to care about it for the next 20 days which is hilarious because that would put us right around voting day and that would potentially sway the direction that people were going to vote had they known about this story 
Twitter's public policy executive, Carolyn Strom, sent out what was to become a quote-unquote <laughs> polite WTF query regarding censorship of the story. Twitter's policy team said that the story violated the company's quote-unquote hacked materials policy, and I'm not sure that that policy is legit, but there's something called a hacked materials policy. But they had no proof that it was hacked material. They just claimed it as such. Yeah, I can't believe this. They were grasping at straws trying to figure out what can we do that would justify this awful thing that we're about to do. And they said, ah, here we go. Exactly. So an article that I read stated the decision was made at the highest level of the company, yet it didn't involve the CEO, Jack Dorsey. So correct me if I'm wrong, but isn't Jack Dorsey the highest level of the company? He is, but he was kind of a silent CEO. He wasn't really around. He was taking meditation trips in the desert, sweating in urts, doing hot yoga and eating insects and stuff like that, I guess. Busy. I don't know if all that is true, you know, but I heard something close to it is right. true. Right. Maybe he was in one of those pods napping. <laughs> I'm not quite sure. Yeah. Anywho. So there were concerns from several employees regarding this decision. A guy named Trenton Kennedy, he's Twitter's policy communications manager, said, you know, I'm struggling. This is a quote. I'm struggling to understand the policy basis for marking this as unsafe. And good for him. But obviously, it's not going to take him very long to change his mind about that. But like at the time that this is going on, this guy's barely 30 years old. And he is trying to make a pretty major decision. And this is how Twitter's being run at the time. It's by a bunch of barely 30 year olds that have been working in these public relationships jobs. The power that they're wielding to influence the American people is pretty, pretty powerful, pretty amazing. Yeah. And they had more, more staff people questioning their quote unquote policy. You know, there's this uh, VP of global communications, Brendan Borman. His question was, can we truthfully claim that this is part of the policy? I don't understand how they have so many people asking that are in executive positions that don't know what the policy is, or is this real? Yeah. It's like almost like they're in disbelief too. There's that, this disbelief factor. But I think that the other thing that kind of shocked me about this discourse back and forth between all these people is nobody wanted to make a decision and nobody wanted to offend somebody else. That sums up woke culture to me. You know, it's a bunch of snowflakes going, I don't think we're allowed to do this, but I don't mind that it's happening. So I'm just going to throw it out there just so I can make sure that I feel okay about what we're doing. I'm not. I almost feel like they were doing it to, I'll use the term CIA, you know, cover your CIA. Yeah. yeah. I don't know if, if it was their ultimate goal anyways. Like I would really be interested to know what their majors were in college to find out if they truly believed what they were doing as a company as far as free speech, censoring what kids should not be exposed to at a certain age. But this is not unsafe. This is something that the American people needed to know to make an informed decision. Yeah, It's like going to a hospital and signing off on a surgery where they're going to maybe tell you what's going to happen to you. You know, it's, it's called informed consent for a reason. To me, it's like all these guys that are making these decisions about whether or not we should hear this story are thinking to themselves, you know, if enough people hear about this stuff and are 
outraged by the fact that this stuff is in here and start to question whether or not Biden and his family are trustworthy people or maybe they are the criminal family that some people are talking about. I think that the possibility of people thinking that was enough to offend these people at Twitter to the point where they were like, yeah, you know what? I think that this is as bad as child pornography because enough people not liking the Bidens would offend me enough to the point of child pornography. That's kind of a crazy thought. It's that and it's the fact that they hated Trump that much to be okay with what could potentially be on this laptop. Yeah, you know, <laughs> that's a good point. Dan Bongino says, what you got to do is think about it through the lens of these crazy liberals. And the lens is, how can we make this look bad for Trump? And that is a mission that they are on. Honestly, every article that I read about where it talks about Biden and any of his numerous gaffes, in between the articles, it's broken up with, Trump has finally failed at last, and Trump has made a critical error, and is this the end for Trump? It's amazing that it doesn't matter, even if it's an anti-Biden story, somebody's still going to put four different, I'm serious, four bullet points about Trump failing. Yeah. Every single day. Yeah, comparing Biden to a Trump failure, you know, somehow putting him in a better light because the worst thing that could possibly happen is that Biden looks worse than Trump. Exactly. Yeah. Okay, so let's circle back here really quick. So in regarding that last comment where the, the VP of Global Communications asked, you know, can we truthfully claim that this is part of the policy? The Deputy General Counsel Jim Baker, your buddy, again seems to advise stay in the course because this is his, his terminology. Caution is warranted. And I need to interject here real quick because if you do not know who Jim Baker is, it's important that everybody listening know who Jim Baker is. Jim Baker was the former general counsel for the FBI that played a key role in the Russia-Trump collusion hoax, also known as the Steele dossier. He knew that the Steele dossier was full of crap. He worked with the FBI to get FISA warrants against Trump staffers uh, using that fake steel dossier. He pushed the narrative all the way to the point where Trump literally got impeached over it. And it was all a hoax that was created by, let's just put it this way, before the election of 2016, the FBI already knew that it was a hoax. And they still pushed as though it was real. So that guy, the disgraced lawyer from the FBI, who should be freaking out because how am I ever going to get another job, especially in a legal capacity, after what I did with this whole Russia hoax, somehow gets a extremely favorable position at Twitter, probably making... Well, let's not speculate how, but there's no doubt in my mind that he was making more as the general counsel for Twitter than he was as general counsel for the FBI. There is no doubt about it. Honestly, that was probably a great, um, you know how when you go on an interview and they ask you what you accomplished, that was probably one of his accomplishments that he mentioned in the interview was what he did 
regarding the Steele dossier, you know? <laughs> Twitter like, oh, dude, sign sealed and delivered. Oh, Here we go. Sure that that was his cover letter, to be honest with you. And exactly. they probably said, they called him up and said, no need for an interview. You got the job. Exactly. But actually, in the Reality Crisis podcast, I talk about this, and this is kind of a, a tactic of the deep state. This is what they do in order to keep things happening. This is definitely a deep state move for those out there that understand what I'm talking about. Okay, so Ro Khanna, a Democratic congressman, reached out to Vijaya Gad, who was the one that ultimately made the decision to censor the story. This is the person acting in place of Jack Dorsey at Twitter. Yeah. The congressman wants to talk about free speech, you know, our First Amendment right. And Vijaya decides that she's more concerned about Twitter policy. Of course. So here's what the tweet, I'm guessing it's a tweet to, to Vijaya from Ro Khanna. So it says, hope you're well, Vijaya, but this seems a violation of the First Amendment principles. If there is a hack of classified information or other information that could expose a serious war crime and the New York Times was to publish it, I think the New York Times should have the right. A journalist should not be held accountable for the illegal actions of the source unless they actively aided the hack. So, to restrict the distribution of that material, especially regarding a presidential candidate, seems not in the keeping of principles of New York Times v. Sullivan. I say this as a total Biden partisan and convinced he didn't do anything wrong. But the story now has become more about censorship than relatively innocuous emails that it's become a bigger deal than it would have been. It also is now leading to serious efforts to curtail Section 230, many of which have been a mistake. I believe Twitter itself should curtail what it recommends or puts in trending news, and your policy against QAnon group is all good. It's a hard balance. But in the heat of a presidential campaign, restricting dissemination of newspaper articles, even if New York Post is far right. Are they really far right? New York Post? Yeah. Is this the congressman talking or is yes. this? Okay. So New York Post, it's not fair to characterize them as far right. I didn't think so. Just wanted they're, to make sure. They're slightly left to center, That's you know, a, yeah. like maybe right in the middle. I, almost, yeah, I was going to say, I almost think they're like fair. Yeah, they're probably a little more liberal than, say, Fox News. Okay. so Just a tad. All right. So Kana goes on to say, even if New York Post is far right, seems like it will invite more backlash than it will do good. Please keep this communication just between us and Jack and no need to CC the team or forward to them. Just wanted to offer my two cents. So this guy is legitimately concerned about the Bill of Rights, the First Amendment. Yeah. And all this Twitter exec wants to do is talk about policy, policy, policy. If anything, I, I would love to see that policy in print. And I, all, although it's probably too late now, and they probably manifested their own, you know, original copy. Yeah. But to come in future parts of the Twitter files summary that we're going to give, uh, you'll be able to get a sneak peek into some of those policies, which were actually written kind of on the fly. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. yeah they were written as they went to coincide with allowing things like this to happen. Yeah. Well, you got to remember, just like you said at the very beginning, Twitter was created for basically a gigantic freedom of speech platform. Mm -hmm. So the policies were basically like, hey, unless this is really bad, we're going to let the information get out because it's up to the reader to decide for themselves whether or not they want to believe. Well, that would be the same for people that watch Channel 247 MSNBC, CNN versus those that watch Fox. They need to decide for themselves. The problem is, is if you're only subjecting yourself to one side, you're never going to see the other side. You know, at some point, this group of, of you know, fairly young folks that have a 
gigantic tendency to, to lean on the left side of the spectrum don't want to hear anything that is offensive to them. They would say to you, your thoughts are offensive. And then they would probably follow up by telling you, you shouldn't say that because your offensive rhetoric and thought is something that could lead to violence. And what they fail to recognize is that there's a, they're misspeaking. It is not that your thoughts and your rhetoric are offensive. It is your thoughts and your rhetoric are offensive to, to me. me. Yeah, exactly. And, and it's like, well, since they are offensive to me, you should stop. And it's like, <laughs> wait a second, dude. Your thoughts and your rhetoric are extremely offensive to me, so you don't talk. Everybody has to accept other people's views. You don't have to agree with them. You can be offended by something. You can be hurt. You can voice your opinion. But it's like, if, if they're saying... You know, Twitter withheld the story because it was going to hurt somebody or somebody was going to be upset by it. Or it, it's like men, quote unquote, having babies. I, I don't accept men having babies. And because I don't accept it doesn't make me wrong. And I don't care if I'm hurting some dude that thinks he's pregnant. I, I don't care if I'm hurting his feelings. You're allowed to believe what you believe and I'm allowed to believe what I believe. I shouldn't be offended by the fact that you're a dude and you think you're pregnant. If you are a former female and you're pregnant, totally different thing. Sorry, if you want to try squeezing a baby out of your penis, then more power to you. But the fact of the matter is, is if you don't have ovaries, you don't have a uterus, you, you don't have those, yeah, you don't have those hormones, you're, you're not going to be a pregnant dude. You're going to be a female that decided to switch, you know, jump the fence. But I'm not going to be offended, and you shouldn't be offended that I don't buy your rhetoric. Yeah. I mean, you and I are fairly religious people, you know, and uh, our religion tells us that there's a lot of things that are going on in, in society that are wrong. Um, in spite of that, in spite of my religious conviction, I'm pretty darn tolerant to it, you know? like Absolutely. I have no problem if, if two gay people... Two lesbian, two, whatever the, the alphabet is, you know, to which someone identifies, but two people that are legally allowed to get married, as far as I'm concerned, go for it. What do I care? It's fine to me. I will actually fight for your constitutional protection if ever it is required. However, I am not going to praise what you're doing. I'm not going to say it is good. I'm not going to say that it is holy. I, there's a lot of things that I'm not going to say about it. All I'm going to tell you is that it's your right. And I hope you enjoy it. I'll tell you, I, I'm not going to fight for their constitutional protection as far as that goes. If that's something they believe in, they can fight their own battles. Just like we're fighting for freedom of speech, they want to hinder it. I'm fighting for what I believe is right. I, I'm not going to fight their battles for them. Yeah. I, I'm strong enough to fight my own battles. I don't need somebody to come to my aid unless somebody shares my same convictions. And you're right. I think if people are honest, I think that most people would, would say, I completely agree with Rocky right there. But on the other hand, I think that the paradox that these folks are creating for themselves is the fact that if you want to inhibit freedoms because you are offended by them, 
Please understand that you're moving a target. And once you move that target, it can never be stable. It'll always keep moving. And chances are that target will fall outside of your moral compass. And the things that you think are just today, someone else is going to say, uh-uh-uh, that's not okay. And now you are the one that's going to be silent. Once you go down that path, and you start saying, we need to silence people, you are not going to be immune from the, the potential of silence, you know? That's what happened, and I, I know this is going to sound so horrible, but that's what happened in, in Germany. They silenced, and, and you and I talked about this, they silenced the, the Jewish people, and they believed what they thought they were doing was right. And, and people went along with it. And, and you sit there and you say, God, how can these people work in those camps and, and do what they did to those people and some people are saying, oh, it was just a job or whatever. But they had to believe that what they were doing was right or somebody was going to take them out or whatever. You know what? If you're if you're a freaking German, then you had every opportunity probably to, to get out. You 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 weren't limited walking around on the street having to show your papers or wear your your Jude star. You know, you could have left unless you're, you know in the camp or, or whatever, you know, as an employee there. But if you're just a German citizen, you didn't have to stay and, and put up with that crap. You chose to stay. You're complicit yeah. in, in the actions that happen. Well, just like they probably were at the time, those that are trying to silence, you know, these folks that we're talking about over at Twitter are probably and were probably under the impression that what they were doing was the right thing. But that's, that's what I'm saying is don't you have a moral compass, a deeper conscious to, to know the difference between right and wrong. But at the same time, you should be able to have an opinion. Yeah. Well, I think that one of the things that you're kind of broaching on is the fact that uh, the protection for which we have to have those specific thoughts that cannot be breached are born inside the Constitution, which our Constitution says that these rights actually weren't given to you by the United States government. They were given to you by God. These are natural rights. Every single human being on the planet has these rights. These are not up for interpretation. They can never be taken away from you unless you accept that they are taken away from you. And I'm hoping, I'm hoping so much that we are not moving toward surrender of these rights because once that happens, man, it is all over. Relativism steps in and might as well be like the Gulag Archipelago where people are getting shot in the head and the, the prisoners are saying, hey, oh my gosh, what did he do? And, he's, and the guard's basically saying, well, it doesn't really matter what, what he did. We decided that he did something wrong and that's all that matters. We're right, you're wrong. We're never wrong, so don't question it. Um, Sounds like the Twitter execs. Yeah, hopefully this is a, a little bit of a warning call to enough people to say we should care about this because these Twitter files, they came out and the mainstream media did an amazing job of making sure that they did not report on them and did as much as they possibly could to suppress this information. But the information's out there. You could have read it on Twitter. There are plenty of right-leaning websites and, and news sources that were giving you all kinds of information on this. Plenty of other podcasts that were talking about this kind of stuff. But I think that there is a minority of people that know what happened as a result of these Twitter files, what they actually mean, what they mean to us, and why they are significant. I think that the group that can, that can explain that to you is very, very, very small. Well... One of the, the posts inside 
the, the Twitter files that I was reading in my research showed that 17% of the people would not have voted for Biden had they known about this story. That would have changed the outcome of the election. Yeah, the suppression of this story hasn't stopped. I mean, you got AOC who went on her tirade during those Senate hearings on this subject, who was basically, they called the laptop story half fake. Everything out of her mouth was just pure garbage. I mean, I don't expect anything else. I mean, from her, she is A, a gigantic liar, B, the stupidest person that we have in Congress without any exception, and C, she is just a gigantic grifter. She has no interest in being a protector of people's rights liberties. That's what I'm saying, that there is only a minority of people that really understand exactly what, what happened here. And this is part one. Right. Of 15. Right. Yeah. A small group of people know exactly what happened and why it is important. There's another group of people that know what happened and why it's important. And they are doing everything that they can to use disinformation or misinformation or whatever it is that they claim that the right uses to bury this story so that you say, well, Okay, I, I heard that it's supposed to be important, but I heard it's just a bunch of garbage and it's all fake or it's 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 it, it was all nonsense. Right. You know? Then the third group of people are by by far the largest group, and they're the people that don't even have a clue about this. Just about every person I ask, hey, what do you know about the Twitter files? Says, I think I heard about that, or I, I don't know anything really about it. They can't give us anything concrete about it. And I think that that's a problem. And hopefully what we talked about here today sheds light on why it is so important. Amen.